in, uh, in the year of 2013, a couple years ago, a 30-year-old man named Henry Gribbum from Epson, New Hampshire, filed a police report claiming that he lost over $2,600 on the carnival game Tubs of Fun. This is a true story, I promise. Tubs of Fun, you've probably seen it at the State Fair, maybe. Tubs of Fun is a carnival game that costs $5 for two balls, and you got to get the balls to stay into the big plastic tubs that's tilted down. And Henry's goal was to win an Xbox Connect for his kids, um, which this is not the point of the sermon, but it's just a great little time to learn a lesson here. If somebody ever says they're going to give you an Xbox Connect and all you have to do is throw two plastic balls into a plastic tub, be suspicious, all right? Anyway, so Henry's goal was to win an Xbox Connect, and, uh, but after spending $300 um, without any luck, he went home to get another $2,300, which was his life savings. It's all he had. And so after he went back and was unsuccessful in his venture, he returned to the carnival the next day to complain, and the game operator gave him $600 back and a large stuffed banana with a hat and dreadlocks. We actually have a picture of Henry uh, Groban right there. That's him right there. Makes sense, right? $2,600. Uh, yeah, so I'll tell you that story today because how many people know that sometimes we can want something too badly? You know what I mean? So sometimes we can want something a little too much and we can make some really bad decisions um, trying to get what it is that we want. Well, we're starting a brand new series today um, called I Want What God Wants. It's based off of the new book that I wrote that we released a few weeks ago. And today, this week only, we want to give you a free copy of this book. Even if you've already bought one, we want everybody in the room to get one. Um, if you'd like to have one at the end of service, you can go back to the back table and there will be somebody back there who will give you. If you want more than one, we're asking that you buy those over the one, obviously. But we want everybody that would like to have one, you can have one of these books today. All right, so make sure that, uh, that you get that. We're not doing that next week, so you got to get it this week, all right? This is a series about obedience, about obeying. And you know, the word obey, you are, the only people who like the word obey are parents. You know, like nobody else likes the word, uh, likes the word obey. It, the reason that the word obey even exists is because someone had to create a word to convince someone to do something that they didn't want to do. So they said you have to obey, which means you don't want to do it, but you have to, uh, but you have to do it. And, 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 you know, like when, when one of the elders here at the church, Greg, calls me up and says, hey, can you play golf with me next Thursday? Or, or he doesn't ask. He says, play golf with me next Thursday. I'm not obeying him when I say, yes, I want to go play golf. Okay, that's not obedience. When my friend's coming through town last month and he said, hey, I'm taking you to Jeff Ruby's. Okay, I didn't have to obey him to say, yes, I wanted to go. Come on, you know what I'm talking about. I wanted to go. That's not obedience. Obedience is a choice I make when I don't want to do something. So I have to obey the doctor when he says diet or die, right? Um, I have to obey the government when they say to pay your taxes or go to jail, all right? I don't want to pay my taxes, but I have to, oh, I have to obey. I have to obey my wife when she says, don't make fun of Donald Trump today in your sermon. You will offend someone. I want to, but I have to obey what she's saying, right? And so... And so that's obedience. And, and even all the rule followers in the room at your core, you don't like having to obey something that you, uh, you don't want to do. 
my oldest daughter, Sadie, she's seven. She's classic first kid. She's pleaser. Um, you know, she doesn't want to disappoint and all that stuff. And I've, I've told you this before, but um, when you ask Sadie, Sadie, what do you want to be when you, when you grow up? She just says, in charge. Like, I want to be in charge. And so as we kind of talk through this a little bit, um, she says, she tells me, she's like, Daddy, it's just so hard being a kid because you have to do everything that everybody tells you to do. And I just can't wait until I can get to be an adult because once I'm an adult, I'll never have to do anything I don't want to do. So maybe if you guys want to talk to her after service today and just kind of teach her uh, about what's coming down the pike. But, but even, even the rule followers in the room, we don't, we don't want to obey. And over the last several years, God has, has taken me on a personal journey of, of self-examination and discovery to help me answer this question. Do I really want what God wants for my life? Do I really want what God wants for my life? Now, initially, that seems like a a really simple question, right? I mean, who wouldn't want what God wants uh, for for your life? When I I think about all the things that the Bible tells me God wants for my life, I get excited about that. I mean, just to name a few, like God wants my life to be blessed and to be joyful. I'll, I'll take that. I like that. God, God wants me to have a close, intimate relationship with him. Absolutely. I love that. I'll take that. Uh, he, God wants my, my family and my career to, to flourish. Yes, absolutely. I'll take that. I mean, who wouldn't want those things for your life? And, and so God and me, like we can agree on all those things, but it's never the ends that are the problem. It's the means to get me there. But there, there's no doubt that, that God wants me to have an a intimate, close relationship with him, that he wants my family and career to flourish. Where God and I tend to disagree and wrestle with one another is how he is going to get me to where he wants to take me and how he, he's going to, to make all of that happen in my life. And I'm learning in my life, and I, I think probably you're, you may have learned in your life or learning in your life, that my plan and God's plan to get me where he wants to take me is rarely the same thing. Anybody know what I'm talking about? That like, yeah, okay, me and God, we can agree on the end destination, but the path to get there, we almost never agree. And that's where we battle and fight in my will and my heart with him because I want what I want and he wants what he wants. And he wants me to want what what he wants. And so it's that path to get there. It's the, it's the means to get to the end that we disagree on. Let me give you a few examples. So um, for example, like I want to learn how to handle more money by having more money. Anybody else in the room? Yeah, I'd like to learn how to handle more money by having more money. Okay. God wants me to learn how to handle more money by handling little money well. We want to get to the end destination together. God says, here's how I'm going to get you there. And I say, God, I don't like that plan. I want this plan. God says, I, I would love for you to learn how to handle money, handle little money well. I say, no, let me handle more money well. That's not how it works. I want my spouse and my family and my friends to change so that I can love them more. Anybody else? You'd like to um, God wants me to change. God wants to change me by loving people who are sometimes difficult to love. In destination, love more. My path is change everybody, God. His path is learn to love difficult people, right? I want God to answer all of my prayers so my faith is strong. Anybody else? Like, I like that plan. 
God wants me to endure tough times to grow my faith. Are you tracking with me today? So it's not the end destination. It's the, it's the day in, day out, how God wants to get me to where he's trying to take me and what God wants to do in my life where we disagree. And I have to really decide, do I really want what God wants? Do I really, really want what God, what God wants? So for this first week of, uh, of this series, we're going to answer today one question. Today's all about answering one question. And the answer to this question is the, the foundation of our faith. And being able to say yes to this question is a, is a launching pad to, to being able to, to want what God wants for your life no matter what. So, so here's the question. You ready? The question is, do I trust God always wants what's best for me? Do I trust that God always, everybody say always, always wants what's best for me. Now, I want you to really think about that. Don't just rush past it and be like, okay, well, the preacher's preaching about it, so the answer must be yes. Okay, like, I really want you to, to think about the answer to that question for your life. Do you really believe and trust that God always wants what's best for you? And we can find verses in the Bible describing just how big and great God's plans are for our life. Jeremiah 29, 11 says, for I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord. They're plans for good, not for disaster, to give you a future and a hope. I'll take some of that. John 10, 10, I've come, Jesus said, that you may have life and have it to the full. Yes, please, I'll take some of that. Like we read these verses and we say, yes, God's plans are great and, and God's you know, destination for me is great. But it's difficult to believe that that is true when it feels like that God is keeping us from what we want or, or the Holy Spirit is asking us to, to do something that we don't want to do because we're convinced that our way is better. Like when, when God asks me to forgive someone who has hurt me deeply, can I trust that he always wants what's best for me? Because the, the hurt is deep. Somebody really did do me wrong. Somebody really did hurt me. And here I read in God's word that I'm supposed to forgive those who have, who have hurt me and done me wrong. And I read that and I know how I feel and I know what I want. I want punishment and justice. And then I read God say, forgive. And I have to decide, do I really believe that God always wants what's best for me? God telling me to forgive is ultimately what's best for me. When God asks me to play house with someone, asks me not to play house with someone I'm not married to, can I trust that he always wants what's best for me because it's not the smartest financial decision and it's lonely by myself and I've got all these reasons why it makes sense for me, but then I read what God says and what I want and I have to decide, do I really trust that God's way is the best way for me even though I want my way? When, when, when God asks me to tithe 10% of my income, can I trust that he always wants what's best for me? Because God, I'm broke. So how could this be best for me when you're asking me to be generous and to tithe and to give? Now, I don't want to leave anybody's suspense today in case you have to leave or you get called out for your kid in the nursery. The answer is yes. The answer is yes. Yes, God always wants what's best for you every single time. 
every single time God wants what's best for you, even when it doesn't seem like it. And in order for us to get to a place where we can honestly say, I want what God wants, we have to come to terms with this truth. You ready? Here's the truth. Anytime I disagree with God, I'm wrong. I'm going to say it again. Half of you got it. Anytime I disagree with God, I'm wrong. I'm wrong. Because God knows what I need and he knows what's best for me. Every single time. Now, the struggle to trust that God knows best and wants best for us goes all the way back to the beginning of mankind. And Adam and Eve hadn't been together for a few weeks before they chose what they wanted instead of what God wanted. And it's a really famous story, and I'm sure you know it and you've heard it. And and we've actually talked about it a lot lately as, as I was going through the process of writing this book and just things God was doing in my own life. So we, we've talked about Adam and Eve a good bit, but I think the best starting point today for this series and, and really talking about God wanting what's best for me and, and my way and his way, we got to go back to the very beginning to Adam and Eve, Genesis chapter 2 and Genesis chapter 3. We're going to start in verse 8. It's going to be up on the screen. If you want to follow along with me, but Genesis chapter 2 verse 8, here's what it says. It says, then the Lord God planted a garden in Eden in the east, and there he placed the man he had made. The Lord God made all sorts of trees grow up from the ground, trees that were beautiful and that produced delicious fruit. In the middle of the garden, he placed the tree of life and the tree of knowledge of good and evil. Skip down to verse 15. The Lord God placed the man in the garden of Eden to tend and to watch over it. But the Lord God warned him, you may freely eat the fruit of every tree. Everybody say every tree. Every tree in the garden. It's all you can eat. Except the tree of the knowledge of the good, of good and evil. If you eat its fruit, you are sure to die. You know this story. You, you, you know how it goes. God makes Adam and he says... He puts him in the garden, he makes the garden, and, and he says, you can have it all. So, so every tree, every fruit, it's yours. God says to Adam, Adam, I put you in this garden, and you can have all of this. Now, some of y'all in here, you're like, okay, I'm not a fruit eater. Well, listen, we don't know. We know Eden was perfect and sin hadn't entered the world yet. Maybe there were Krispy Kreme trees. I don't know. Maybe there was a Papa John's tree. I don't know. You know what I mean? An Oreo tree. Anybody? I mean, it's like, so we don't know what trees were there, but God said, like, you can have it all. Eat until you can't eat anymore. Like, it is all you, there's a White Castle tree over there if you want that. Like, yeah, okay. Like, there is a chocolate milk vine. Just go drink that. Like, whatever you want, it is all there. You can have it all, Adam, and we look at this and we go, wow, God, you are so good. That's so unfair. Like, wow, Adam didn't deserve that. Adam put in this garden, he can have all this. God says, this is my plan for your life. Eat it up, all you can eat. Go for it. The only thing that I'm telling you while you're in this garden is you can have all of this. The only thing is I just don't want you to touch this. I just don't want you to touch this. And when we hear that, and I'm sure Adam, when he heard that, thought like, bro, I got that. That's no problem. You're telling me I can have all this? 
I don't even want that apple. I got a Papa John's tree. I, I don't, I, I'm good. I can have all these apples. I don't want this. That's your deal, God? I'm in. No problem. Piece of cake. We know what happens. Genesis 3, verse 1. The serpent was the shrewdest of all the wild animals the Lord God had made. And one day he asked the woman, did God really say you must not eat the fruit from any of the trees in the garden? Of course we may eat fruit from the trees in the garden. Eve is like, listen, snake, God said we can have all this. It's all ours. And he just said, Eve tells the snake, you just can't eat this um, because you'll die. So don't eat this. So, yeah, snake, we can have all this. We just can't have that apple. And the snake says, you won't die. Servant replied to the woman, God knows that your eyes will be opened as soon as you eat it. And you will be like God, knowing both good and evil. And if you have a Bible and you're following along, or you can highlight this somehow, these last four words, it says, the woman was convinced. The woman was convinced. Convinced of what? The woman in that moment was convinced that this right here, this stupid little single apple was better than all of this that God said she could have. The woman was convinced. She eats it. She gives it to her husband. He eats it. And in a few days when my wife is having Ezekiel, there'll be intense pain and it's all Eve's fault because God said when you ate that apple, women will have labor pains and men will have to work the ground. It's all their fault. Sin entered the world. Everything fell apart because the woman was convinced that what she wanted was better than what God wanted. This is what God wanted. He said, you can have it all. This is what God wanted. And Eve said, I I'm not convinced that God always wants what's best for me. In this instance, I think God is holding out on me. I don't trust that God always wants what's best. I don't trust that his ways are always the best way. I don't trust that he knows exactly what he's doing and he knows what I need more than I know what I need. Like, I don't trust. I'm not convinced that I want what God wants. Satan will never stop trying to convince you that God's ways are irrelevant or old-fashioned or impossible or not practical, just wrong. You'll constantly hear these thoughts in your head and in your heart and this doubt of your faith that tells you that nobody can really live for God that way anymore. Nobody can obey God in all those areas. Nobody could really do what God is asking you to do. Why does it even matter? And you find yourself trying to convince yourself that what you want is better than what God wants. And in those moments of temptation, in those moments of doubt, we have to somehow remind ourselves that God always wants what's best for me. God always, if God is saying it, teaching it, wrote it down, it is the best plan for me. I'm learning this in my own life. I would suggest that this is true for you too. Almost always, I'm the worst person to decide what's best for me. Because, because when I go to Krispy Kreme, I order a dozen. Because I think that's best for me. 
you know, when, when I always go back to the buffet one too many times because I think that's what's best for me. I get the large instead of the small milkshake because I think I know what's best for me. Everybody following what I'm saying, right? I, I got in some relationships when I was younger that I was convinced I knew what was best for me. I've spent money on things that I was sure I knew what was best for me. Anybody know what I'm talking about? I bought some stuff. I've said some stuff. I've done some stuff. And I was sure that I knew what was best for me. Anybody been where I've been? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you get after the fact and you're like, I'm an idiot. And I, I look back and I'm like, almost always I am the, the worst person to decide what's best for me. That's why I had to take Andrea to meet my parents and make sure they knew what was best for me. They said, you better marry her fast. If something ever happens, we choose her over you. That's what they said. I, I got to run it off. I mean, I, I talked to somebody in the church this morning. I said, listen, I got to make a decision. I just need to know what you would do if you were me because I, I don't want to make the wrong decision. Almost always, I'm the, I'm the worst person to decide what's best for me. I'm almost always impatient, short-sighted, selfish, rarely make the best decision for my life. And I'm having to learn to, to listen and to trust the voice of the Holy Spirit more in my life and, and my wife's intuition to trust that more. Now, please don't misunderstand. I'm not talking about codependency. I'm not talking about like a spouse or a boyfriend or a girlfriend or an overprotective parent who, who has to make all your decisions because you're not smart enough to make decisions. I'm talking about where God is wanting to take me and what he wants to do in my life. God's unbelievable, incredible plans for my life and for your life will almost always take longer to attain and be harder to accomplish than I think that they will. Almost always. But if I will trust that he always wants what's best for me, even when it doesn't seem like those little areas of obedience matter, I can trust that they do. Because God is taking me somewhere. And this is not the route I would take or the path or the plan that I would take, but his ways are always best for me. So I obey. So I obey. Truett Cathy, the the founder of Chick-fil-A, he, he loved cars, and he loved giving away cars. Um, Truett Cathy was a, a man of faith. You probably know that from the instrumental music in the bathroom at Chick-fil-A when you go there. But uh, he was a man of faith, and, um, and so he decided there was this young man in his life that needed a car, but he needed to be discipled more. And so he, he approached the young man, and, and they kind of came up with this plan um, that they would listen, Truett Cathy and this, and this young man would separately listen to some preaching tapes that Truett Cathy had, and then they would come back together and they would talk about it and see what God maybe would want to do in their life with that. But Truett Cathy played a, a trick on this young man on the last tape, so there's several preaching tapes, and on the last tape, he recorded over the preacher and in his own voice, told the young man, if you're listening to this, come to my office and get the keys to your brand new car. He gives him the tapes. A couple of days go by, a couple of weeks go by. He realizes that the young man's not showing up. It's obvious he's not listening to the tapes. So he reminds him, hey, make sure you listen to those tapes. Yeah, yeah, I'm going to listen to them. A couple of weeks go by. He doesn't show up. He knows he's not listening to them. He says, hey, make sure you listen to those tapes. Listen to them all the way through. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm going to listen to them. He never does until finally Truett Cathy realizes this guy's not going to listen to the tapes. He calls him into his office and he plays the last recording 
for this young man. And he doesn't give him the car. And Truett Cathy says that it was one of the toughest lessons that he ever taught. One of the toughest. And like the man in this story, during the mundane things in life or even the, the difficult or tragic things in life, it's easy to think that there's no point or, or to think that God isn't up to something. But almost always at the end of whatever lesson God is trying to, to teach me, I'm reminded again that God always wants what's best for me. And God is always working for my good. So, so what is the thing in your life that you're not sure you can trust God about? What's the scenario in your life where you're like, okay, I know this is what God is saying, but I'm just not sure I can trust God and choose his way. Maybe it's an unanswered prayer. Maybe you prayed about a friend who was sick and he didn't get healed, or maybe it was about a new job that that didn't come through or a new career. Maybe it's about a marriage that seems to be breaking that isn't getting put back together. Maybe it's kids you're praying for who haven't returned home. There's all sorts of scenarios of unanswered prayers that cause us to not trust and to doubt God. And God says, don't lose faith. Keep praying. Here's what I want to do when it's all said and done. And we're just, we're not sure that we can trust God because he hasn't answered prayers for us. Maybe like we mentioned earlier, it's trusting God to, to give generously and to tithe. And God says, I, if you will bring the tithe to me, I will pour open the windows of heaven. I will open the windows of heaven and pour out a blessing so great you can't contain it. God says, if you'll just trust me with 10%, you can do whatever you want with the 90. And this is what I want to do in your life. And you're like, Jason, I just can't give up the $178.12. I can't give up the $41.14. I'm just not convinced that what God wants to do in my life is better than $34.17. I'm just not convinced. And God says, this is what I want for your life. But we keep doing that. Maybe, maybe it's trusting God to take a moral or ethical stand that may cost you in the short term. Maybe at work you're having to do the right thing when you could go along with everybody else. And because you're doing the right thing, you're, you're taking a hit. You're being punished. You're being set back. And you wonder, is this really the right thing to do? Is doing it God's way really the right thing to do? Because it sure seems a lot easier to just do what I want to do. And God says, if you will just do it my way. I know it doesn't feel like it now, but if you'll do it my way, in the end, this is what I want for your life. Maybe it's trusting God to put down your guard in your marriage and be the first one to be honest or be the first one to take a step towards reconciliation. And you're just not sure if you can trust God and let go of your bitterness and let go of your hatred and let go of your hurt because you don't think it's going to be returned to you and somebody's going to take advantage of that. And God says, if you will do it my way and you will trust me, this is what I want your marriage to be like and look like. And you say, well, I think I'd rather hold on to my grudge. Maybe it's uh, making a decision to remove sin in your life. Maybe it's an addiction. Maybe it's a relationship or a secret sin. And you say, and it's a very real thing, but you say, Jason, I know that this is what God wants for my life, but I don't know that I can function without this thing in my life, this sin, this addiction, this relationship, this desire that I have. Like, 
I know it's just this stupid apple, and I know that's what God wants for me, but to think about not having this in my life, I just don't think I could do it. And God says, listen, we agree on where we're going. I'm just, we just disagree on how to get there. And I'm telling you, confess your sins one to another so that you could be made whole. D- don't hide it. Don't, don't hold on to it. I promise life will be better. I promise you'll be more fulfilled. I promise you'll be happier. But you've got to let go or give up or, 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 or destroy your idol or give up your plan or give up your whatever it is. And you're just saying, Jason, I don't know if I can trust that God always wants what's best for me because I believe what's best for me is this thing that I enjoy so much. And God says, if you will do it my way, this is what your life will be like. Maybe it's to take a, maybe it's to stand still and to wait on God to fix your problem when everything inside of you wants to fix your own problem. Sometimes that's the hardest thing to do in obeying God is just waiting. I mean, I think about most of the stupid stuff I've done in my life, it was because I was impatient. Conversations I had too soon, things I bought too soon, jobs I took too soon, because I was so convinced that I needed to fix a problem. And like Joshua, God told Joshua in the Old Testament, if you'll just stand still and see that I am God, I'll handle it. And God says, if you'll just wait, this is what I can give you. But if you want to take it into your own hands, you could probably have this. Just wait, just wait. As hard as it is to trust and obey God, if the Bible or the Holy Spirit is telling you to do something you don't want to do, you can trust that what God wants for your life is always what's best for you. Please hear me. God always wants what's best for you. Always. So today I want to end with a prayer, and um, it's going to be up on the screen. I'm going to read it, and then um, I'd like for us to read it together. I want to encourage you to write this down or or take a picture of the screen and and to add this as a part of your day, as a part of your prayer life, part of your routine in your day to pray this prayer. This is actually a prayer that I pray myself. It says, God, you know what I want. You know what I need. And you know how I feel. Help me to trust you know what's best for me and you know what you're doing. Can we say that together? Say that with me. God, you know what I want, you know what I need, and you know how I feel. Help me to trust you know what's best for me and you know what you're doing. Can we just say it together one more time? Let these words seep in. God, You know what I want, you know what I need, and you know how I feel. Help me to trust you know what's best for me, and you know what you're doing. Every single time you can trust God. You can trust his way. Pray that prayer, begin to pray that prayer. When you find yourself so torn between what God wants and what you want, cry out to God and say, God, you know what I want. You know what I need. You know how I feel. You know where I am right now, God. Help me to trust that you know what you're doing and you know what's best for me. Like the father in Mark chapter 9 who, whose child had died and, and needed healing and, and God says it can happen if you believe. And he said, I do believe. Help my unbelief. We cry out. We embrace that. 
we say, God, you, you know how I'm feeling, what I'm needing, what I'm wanting. And God, I just need you to help me trust that your ways are always the best ways and your plans are always the best plans. Help me to not doubt that. Do not let the enemy convince me that what I want is better than what you want. And when we keep praying that prayer day after day, maybe hour after hour, we keep praying that prayer, we will finally come to a place where we can say to God or we can get on our knees and pray to God or we can sit at a kitchen table with our family and we can look each other in the eye and we can honestly say, it's true, I really do want what God wants more than I want what I want. Let's pray.